Hi, I'm Tommy Henry, host of the Chicago History Podcast. Welcome to the first episode of a short-form series I'm calling Chicago Firsts, where I talk to different people about their first experiences in Chicago. In coming weeks, I'll talk with musicians, authors, comedians, theater directors, and others about their memories. I also want to hear from you, listener. If you have a good Chicago First story you'd like to share, my contact info is included at the end of this episode. In the early 90s, while living in Lincoln Park, my pal Chris Hennis suggested we see a band called The Bad Examples, led by a guy named Ralph Covert, and from then on, I've been a fan. While making music in Chicago, Ralph had one of his songs covered by the band Styx, also a Chicago band, and went on to also become a playwright, formed Ralph's World with music geared toward kids that got him a record deal with Disney Records and a kid show, and the freedom to continue to write and record his own songs as a solo artist and as a member of the Bad Examples. While waiting to be able to do shows in front of crowds again, Ralph has been performing twice daily on Facebook Live, once in the morning for kids and families as Ralph's World, and then at night for adults, taking requests, telling stories, and even bringing in guests. To date, he has performed more than 100 shows, connecting with existing fans and gaining new ones. I asked Ralph what he remembers about the first time he played in Chicago with the Bad Examples way back in May of 1987. I said to the guys, We've, I've, I've booked us a show. We're playing three sets. And they're like, Ralph, we have 11 songs. I should stop here to say that the first time they ever played as a band was a road gig in Angola, Indiana at Buck Lake Ranch for a meetup of van owners. Sorry. Vanners, as they apparently refer to themselves, but as we're focused on Chicago, here's the story from the beginning. Our very first, our very first show was uh, we had just put the band together. So uh, Terry and I, had, uh, Terry Dwathan, the drummer, and I had been. I found Terry. I knew I wanted him, but we needed a bass player. We played with Greg Bach for the first time, and we're like the trio instantly just had that chemistry. It felt great. So uh, I think our first rehearsal was in March. And uh, the first thing I did, I found this place called the Hidden Cove. I said to the guys, great, we've, I've, I've, I've booked us a show. And they're like, okay, cool. Where are we, you know, we opening for something? I'm like, no, we're, we're playing at this place, the Hidden Cove. We're playing three sets. And they're like, Ralph, we have 11 songs. <laughs> I was like, it's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll keep on working on our adding originals, and we'll just work up a bunch of bad covers. We'll just, we'll just fill the night. And that's what we did. We, uh, songs like I'm 18, like uh, Smithereens, Blood and Roses, four or five chord songs that we could bang our way through. And, uh, and then we, we played all of our original songs. But then by the time the gig came, we probably had uh, a dozen and a half songs. We played all the originals at least twice. We played them early at the beginning of the first set <laughs> and then played them later after people would have forgotten they'd heard them. This bar was a complete biker dive bar. He walked in. There's pool tables on the left side, bar down the right, 30-year-old velvet curtains that captured all the cigarette stink of the last 30 years. So the place smelled like spilled beer, stale cigarettes, and even a staler bikers. There wasn't a stage, but there's a jukebox. You went to the bar on the, on the right, 
uh, pool tables on the left. You went down the, the crappy, dirty linoleum, past the jukebox to the bathroom, and then out the back door to the alley. So we're playing our, we played our first gig there, and uh, we get through it, and we're loading out. We brought our little PA from Terry's house, and we're loading out. I'm helping, we're taking stuff out to, um, whatever, um, Terry's got his uh, cloth bag with his symbols open, kind of like a Pac-Man mouth leaning against the jukebox. And I, I'm helping Terry load out. I'm like, what, what should I take next? He's like, uh, take, my, take my kick drum. He's like, no, no, um, why, don't, why don't you grab my cymbals and my snare? I'm like, okay. So I grab his cymbals and his snare, turn around. As I'm walking away from the jukebox, some gal comes running from the front of the bar trying to get to the bathroom and pukes down the side of the ju jukebox right where his cymbals had been sitting literally 15 seconds before. <laughs> I'm like... I'm glad I got the symbols. He's like, me too. Let's get the f out of here. <laughs> As an added bonus, here's one more Chicago First story from Ralph for fans of the Bad Examples about the first time the band played on the south side of Chicago in Evergreen Park. The first time we ever played at the great Chicago club, PJ Flaherty's, on the south side. And we almost never got there. The first gig we played at, at PJ Flaherty's, very early in, in, in the life of the band, uh, and our bass player of the time, a guy named Greg Bach, decided that it would be a good idea to um, have his underage sister come to the show. And when she couldn't get in, he had the brilliant idea to um, smuggle her in through the back door of the kitchen. <laughs> so I'm backstage tuning up my guitar, getting ready for our show, and our guitar player rushes in. He's like, Ralph, 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 there's, there's trouble in the kitchen. I'm like, is this like some kind of hip phrase? Trouble in the kitchen? What does this mean? So he's like, no, it's Greg. So he drags me back to the kitchen where one of the kitchen staff had ratted Greg out to Pat Flaherty. Pat Flaherty's there. Now, Pat is uh, the quintessential Southside Irish fireman who had a carpentry business on the side and had the, uh, the club on the side. He's, you know, was six foot four built like a great big slab of Southside Irish fireman, right? <laughs> He's the guy you want carrying you out of the burning building. It was Pat Flaherty all day long. And he is furious as he should be. <laughs> and, and Greg is furious just because he was a young hothead. And, they're standing toe-to-toe, -to -toe, just about to come to blows. And, and, you know, if you know me, I'm not a physical guy. But I pushed myself in between them and just started swearing right back at, at Pat uh, and just told Greg, you know, you get the over to that side of the room. I'll deal with this. And Pat's there just beat red. He's like, you know, get your effing band. Get the F out of here. I don't want to ever see your effing face again. I'm like, I got an effing job to do with He's my problem. I'll have to deal with him. He's like, you better have to deal with him. I'm like, I'm going to deal with him. And I got an effing show to do for your effing ass. So if you get out of my way, I'll get my effing people in gear. He's like, well, you better effing do that. And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he storms off. And Greg's there. He's like, I'm out of here. I'm taking my sister. We're going. I'm like, no, you're taking your ass up on stage. And we're playing a show. He's like, then I'll deal with you later. He's like, whoa, oh, what about my sister? I said, Send her out to the car. 
So he sends her out to the car. And Greg, one of Greg's things he always said was that he, uh, he always claimed he played better when he was angry, which might have been true. That was one of his better shows. <laughs> so we go up on stage. We play a great show, really. End of the night, I come back to, uh, I go down to Pat Flaherty's office in the basement of the front to get paid my hundred bucks. And I'm just going in there going, I am just going to, maybe I'll get paid. Maybe I want, I'm like, you know, this young kid in my twenties. And like, I don't know if I need to get paid, but I at least see what happens. I'm going to go down there and I walk in and he's like, puts the money down. He's like, you guys are great. And I said, you know, sorry about my guys. Like you handle it. We're cool. And from then on until the night PJ Flaherty's closed, Pat and I were good as gold. And I'd hear all these stories about him, you know, people that hated dealing with him and people that had troubles with him with this and that. And we started off on that note, toe to toe, yelling at each other. Apparently he respected it. He liked the band. He, he booked us great gigs our whole career. Uh, <laughs> and had us, you know, honored us by asking us to be the last band that would play his room before he closed down. Cause he's like, I can't think of anybody else I want here for you. I'm like, okay, Pat, I'm in. He's like, good. That's some. <laughs> Ralph has additional great Chicago first stories. I'll share on a future episode. Much thanks to Ralph Covert for sharing his Chicago First stories with me. You can find him on Facebook and the interwebs at Ralph Covert, spelled C-O-V-E-R-T, dot com, waterdogrecords.com, and all music streaming services. If you have a Chicago First story you think might be of interest, send me an email at chicagohistorypod at gmail.com. Thanks to John K. Schneider for the Chicago History Pod art. His contact info can be found in the show notes. As always, like, subscribe, and review this podcast, and tell a friend. It helps us get the word out and reach new history fans. Get out and explore when possible. Learn more about whatever city you live in, and stay safe. Thanks for listening.